Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to have you all here and the many, many visitors who also are watching us online. It's been a beautiful, beautiful time together. And we'll do it annually next year. Watch for it in your mailbox. It will be sometime in June. I'll read now the theme for this week from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly comparisons between the scriptures of the uh, West represented by the Bible and of the East represented by the Bhagavad Gita. The best way to worship. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it and your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. John, the woman of Samaria asks Jesus, Where is the best place to worship? The question might be expanded to include, What is the best church? What is the best religion? Is it important to go on pilgrimage to holy shrines? What is the best ritual? What is the best mantra or prayer? Jesus cut across all such questioning with his reply. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It was not that outer considerations of place, church, ritual, etc. are irrelevant. Each person should find those practices and observances which are compatible with his own nature. One might say with his own vibrations. Not everyone's natural path to God is the same. God sent different religions into the world to satisfy different human needs. The overarching concern, however, considering that the goal is to find God, is to include in one's worship daily inner communion with the Lord. God is silence. He must be sought, therefore, in inner silence. God is absolute love. He must be sought, therefore, in the silence of love. God is spirit and thus immaterial. He must be sought above all in the expanding peace of deep meditation. Thus the Bhagavad Gita says in the sixth chapter, Sequestered should they sit, steadfastly meditating, solitary, his thoughts controlled, his passions laid away, from every craving for possession freed. Wherever you are, whatever your outer beliefs and observances, seek God in the silence of your own soul. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. 
As you can see, we need a bigger temple, <laughs> and, and it's coming, <laughs> coming from the astral world. It'll be here in a few years. <laughs> it's been such a joy to have all of us come together for this Kriyabhan week retreat, and we especially want to offer th- thanks and gratitude to Sanjan, who is the head of the Kriya Sangha, and the Expanding Light staff, who helped organize all this, to our kitchen crew and our karma yogis, without which none of this would really happen as beautifully as it does, and to all of our Kriyabans who have come, and of course to our great Kriya masters who brought us together on this occasion. So let's start by reading the words of one of our Kriya masters from Whispers from Eternity. This is prayer demand for removing the cork of ignorance. No more shall my consciousness remain bottled in this little vessel of flesh, corked with ignorance. No more will I remain moving through the sea of cosmic consciousness, night and day, years, decades, and how many incarnations, so close yet never able to contact thy sea. Through the bursting vibration of cosmic sound and the surging of thy holy name, I have removed the cork of ignorance which so long separated me from thee, though we live together so closely. Now my body consciousness will meet with thy all-surrounding, all-pervading consciousness. No longer will I walk heedlessly in thee, but never knowing and never feeling thee. Thine image within me shall meet thine image everywhere. By releasing the I-ness in me, I will know that I am thou, and that thou alone art the little egos of us all. In the autobiography of a yogi, we read of the Christ-like life of Lahiri Mahashaya. And from the high Himalayas, where he received his Kriya initiation in the Golden Palace, coming back down to the haunts of men in a simple little uh, balcony porch in Benares, the great spiritual dissemination of Kriya Yoga began through this harbinger of Kriya Yoga in our time. And he gave his teachings freely to all who came. He didn't make distinction of men, women, religion, caste, anything. He gave his, the Kriya technique freely to all. And he said that uh, we should practice our religion in accordance with our upbringing, with the education that we've had. And so, therefore, he said, the Muslim should kneel down four times in prayer and do his namaj. The Hindu should sit in meditation four times daily. The Christian should pray to Christ and read the Bible four times daily. But after all that is said and done, Do your Kriya. So when we come to the question 
of what is the best way to worship. And this is our topic today, so appropriate for, let me move this out of the way, so appropriate for our Creo weekend. The best way to worship God, as Christ said in the Bible, is in spirit and in truth. The great exponent of yoga, Swami Shankaracharya, had a wonderful saying apropos to this topic. Uh, last fall, a year ago, Jatish and I and Diana had the great opportunity to go to Badrinath, where there's a shrine to the Shankaracharya. It's a very considered one of the great pilgrimage places in India. And we sat there and we meditated at the shrine to Shankaracharya, where there's an image of him, and felt great power, I must say. It was a great blessing. But Shankaracharya said, outward rituals, outward observance of religion, cannot destroy ignorance because they are not mutually contradictory. So what does that mean? Outward rituals take place still, even the best of them. If they're done only mechanically, if they're done only without really feeling divine presence as we do them, they exist on the plane of duality. And as long as we are on acting, thinking, experiencing our lives on the plane of duality, it cannot cut through ignorance. On the other hand, outward rituals done with the awareness of God's presence can bring us deep communion. When you read of the life of a modern saint of Italy, Padre Pio, great saint, We also had the opportunity to go to San Giovanni Rotunda where his body is interred in the eastern uh, coast of Italy. And Padre Pio would observe the Mass and as most priests would do it, it would, you know, maybe take an hour. When Padre Pio would do it, it would take four hours because every movement, every word, every offering, he could barely speak. He was so absorbed in God's presence. Well, for most of us, it's hard to get there from here. But that's why we've received Kriya Yoga, because it is only by worshiping God in spirit and in truth that we can achieve the state of consciousness of these great ones. And so what does it mean to worship God in spirit? start with that. Spirit is immaterial. It is consciousness without form. And if we want to merge with that immaterial consciousness, we have to find that part of ourself that is immaterial, that is pure consciousness. And that begins with awareness. As Jyotish was saying so clearly in the talk that he gave long ago on Friday. (laughs) Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? He was saying, what can we control when we do the Kriya? We can control the breath. The breath is immaterial. The breath is, just as Christ said, I come with like the wind. No one knows where it listeth, where it will go. That's the breath. And in the science of yoga, There's the great science of pranayama, the science of working not just with the breath, but as Master explained, the breath is linked to the life force. 
a life force with, within each one of us. And that's a reflection of God's presence within us. And the more we learn to work with the breath, to control the prana, the more we are able to worship God in spirit because we're able to raise the, the, the life force up to the centers of higher perception where alone we can perceive God. Not through outward rituals, but raising the life force and then offering it, offering it with as much concentration and willpower and determination and love of which you are capable. And so to worship God in spirit is to match that which is in you with that which is an expression of God. And the more we can do that, just as in that beautiful passage from Whispers, the more we realize there isn't any separation. The cork of ignorance is pulled out of the bottle of our consciousness, and we're aware of ourselves as part of that immaterial spirit. That's the core of our being. Not the body, not the personality, not the intellect, none of those. But I am spirit, I am free. In that beautiful chant, um, mind nor nor intellect am I not, but I am free, I am free. And so to experience that part of ourselves and to practice Kriya in such a way, yes, it's a technique, but that's just the beginning to think of it as a technique. Really what Kriya is, it's the consciousness, it's the divine life force within us, and it's being able to recognize that that presence within us has always been there, just as in that passage we read from Whispers. It's been present within us, but we've been sleeping, sleeping in the delusion that we were limited beings. But the more we can say no, through the practice of Kriya, I touch within myself the presence of God, the immaterial spirit, and I raise it up and offer it. But then it also says in that passage, we must worship God in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship God in truth? Does it mean we get all the prayers right? We get all the details right? No, that's not truth. Truth is, to worship God in truth means to come from the purest, most essential part of our nature. Not anything that we think we can impress God with. God is not impressed by any... <laughs> By anything outward. There was a story from the life of Ananda where this man was very proud of his yogic accomplishments and he could do incredible pranayamas and, and um, hatha yoga and so forth. And he was demonstrating all this for Ananda And she was just staring off into his face, <laughs> just in bliss. But when a simple devotee would come and touch her feet, then she would be present. But to find... Christ also says, suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means that pure simplicity of our own nature, which is without guile, without defenses. You know, there's so many beautiful stories from the lives of great saints. 
Saint Francis of Assisi, when he he was just a wonderful example of that worshiping God in the truth of his being. And he gave away everything he had. You know, he was the son of a rich merchant in Assisi. And as the story goes, he wanted to live for God. And his father, who was one of the wealthier merchants in town, was trying to stop him. And in fact, he locked him in the basement of of their house. And you can go and see that cell where St. Francis was locked in Assisi. And but then when he, his mother, who was a devotee, a, a saintly woman in her own right, released him, and then the father dragged him in front of the Pope, and he said, my son is crazy, he's giving away all my possessions. And, uh, and St. Francis just stood there and took off all his clothes, all his wealth, handed them to his father, stood there totally naked, and just said, this is what you have given to me, Father, and I give it back to you. And he walked away and began his life of renunciation. And then he found some rags, old rags, and wore them as his robe. And in all his one possession was his Bible and he, the word of Christ, the word of his Lord. And he would just read that and go into ecstasy. And then one day he was walking along the paths in it. Um, that part of Italy, beautiful section. And an old beggar woman came up to him and begging, ill and starving. And he had nothing to give her. He had no money. The clothes he wore were ragged. He had no shoes on his feet. All he had was his Bible. And he gave that to her. And and she thinking she could sell it because she didn't read and get a little money for food. And then he sat down and he began to weep. And he said, Father, my Lord, I've given away your word. Now I have nothing. And God spoke to him and said, Francis, you don't need my word written down. It's printed in your heart. And to have that openness, that simplicity and sincerity, the same with St. Teresa, excuse me, St. Bernadette of Lourdes, when you see that beautiful movie, which Master enjoyed, Song of Bernadette. If you haven't seen it, do watch it. And, but there's a scene in it where she's just a simple peasant girl in France, but the Virgin Mary appears to her many times, and no one believes her. They think she's crazy. And then finally... She just she doesn't even know who it is. She calls her my late the lady, the beautiful lady. And the beautiful lady says, Bernadette, go and drink there see over there, there's a stream. Go and drink from that, and healing water will come from that. And Bernadette looks and this is in the city dump. That's where it took place, where all the refuge and the garbage was thrown. This is where the Madonna appeared to Bernadette. And Bernadette looked around, and there was no stream. It was just dirt and refuge and rubble. But she went over, and and the lady said, drink from that stream. And so she started just taking the dirt and putting it in her mouth and drinking it, and everyone was laughing at her. The whole town and her mother, who felt so bad for her, tried to pull her away. And she said, no, no, the lady said to drink from the stream. And then they finally took her away, but as they walked away, 
that water started flowing from that spot. And that was the, the waters of Lourdes, which have healed thousands and thousands of people. So to worship God in truth means to hear what he or she says to you and do it to the best of your ability, not with any ulterior motive, not for what it looks like for others, not whatever they may think of you, but to do it to the best of your ability. It doesn't have to be great. I remember in the early years of Ananda when all we had was the meditation retreat and it was spiritual renewal week and I was on the staff. And in those days, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have computers. We didn't have email. We didn't even have a telephone. (laughs) And so the only way we could get reservations was through mail, snail mail. But that was the only mail in those days. And so we really never knew who was coming. (laughs) And so our staff had to stay up late, um, be in the office till about 9 or 10 sometimes, because we never knew who was going to show up. And so this was spiritually no week. I was on the night shift. And people started coming. We'd given away all the tent platforms. We'd given away all the little cabins. We had, a, sorry to say, but we had a storeroom filled with the most incredibly unpleasant sleeping bags that we would give out to people as they would come. <laughs> but uh, people kept coming and coming. Finally, there was nothing left. There was no sleeping bags, no blankets, no pads. And I was just about to leave, and a man came. But I don't know what time it was, 9.30, And I said, I thought, and I thought, well, what can I give this man? And I realized, I, ran, I said, just wait here a minute. I ran back to my little trailer where I was living at the time, and I got my little pad that I would sleep on in my sleeping bag, and I brought it over, and I gave it to him. And that was the last visitor. We locked the office. And then I went back to my trailer. I just had a little wooden platform a little bed, so I think I put some towels down and found a jacket and threw over me for a blanket. And in the morning, I went, uh, I was going up to go back to the office to go to work, and Swamiji, Swami Kriyananda, happened to be there. And he looked at me, and he, he didn't know. I, he, I mean, he, there was, he had no way of knowing what had happened, but he knew, he knew. And he looked at me, and he said, now you're getting the idea. <laughs> Give it everything you have, even if it's unreasonable, even if it doesn't seem fair that you have to give up your own things. Give it, and so in your own life, to worship God in truth. It doesn't have to be great things, but whatever you're asked to do, whatever is in front of you, do it with God, do it for God, do it with everything you have, whether it seems fair or not, whether it seems somebody else is getting the better end than you are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. To worship God in truth is to be like a little child and say, here I am, Lord. I loved what Diana said yesterday in her class when Swami said to her, Masters will take care of it. And Diana said, Master knows about me? <laughs> he knows about each one of us. Not a grain of sand, a sparrow falls without his sight, Master says in Samadhi. And so worship him from the truth of your own being, from 
the highest that is within you, the simplest that is within you, the goodness that you know you should do. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful moment, and it comes in our lives, each of us, every day, when you, you know something's in front of you, and you think, I don't really need to do that. Do I, God? You know, I don't have to give it everything. I don't have to give this guy my sleeping bag, do I? But you know you do. You know you do. And just to say, all right, I don't resist anymore. I want to worship you in the truth of my being. Come what may. Take away whatever you want. I really don't care. All I want is to worship you in spirit and in truth because I know that nothing else in this world will bring me any fulfillment, any joy, anything of value, except just to give who I am. God made each one of us, he, he gave each one of us a mission. And you think, me, a mission? I have to go back and go to work on Monday. No, you have a mission. And that mission is to discover the truth of your being and to offer it to God. And for each one of us, it's a different journey. I remember many years ago at a Kriya initiation, Swami, we we each went up for his blessing. And then afterwards, there were a small group of us standing nearby. And he said, I had the most unusual experience as I was blessing you. As each one of you came up, I felt the unique way you would find liberation. And it was thrilling to hear that. But each one of us has a unique truth that God planted in our heart, has a gift, has something of value that God put in our heart that we need to give to the world. Find out what that is, give it without any hesitation, and you will feel that you have fulfilled why you came into this world and that God will know you are worshiping him with spirit and with the truth of your own being.